This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. And tonight we are previewing week 10 of the NFL Slate 2021. We're already past the halfway mark. Oh, where is it gone? But first, a few housekeeping notes. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020, and you can now find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show on whichever podcast platform you use so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. All right, let's get right into it. We're recording this on November 11th, 2021, a honorable Veterans Day to all and to all who served. Before Thursday night football tonight with the Ravens and the Dolphins, which we will recap for you on Monday. But first, what were your fantasy impressions coming out of the Bears at Steelers game from Monday night? I guess three things kind of popped out to me. One, Justin Fields is pretty good and he's improving week after week. Um, He'll be a nice fantasy play for years to come. And I think the Bears might have found their quarterback as well. Um, Number two is David Montgomery really took over that backfield as soon as he was healthy, kind of like what I thought uh, would happen. He is a big part of that offense and what makes that offense go. So I imagine that the touches are just going to keep going the healthier he gets. And then Najee Harris as well. Like He's somebody that demands a lot of touches, a lot of targets. And for Ben, somebody who traded Alvin Kamara for um, Najee Harris, you got to feel pretty good about the future that you have in the young kid. Yeah, I had kind of the same notes. And one of the questions I thought of immediately following the game was, is this a sign of progress or is this kind of like a one week blip? I thought fields looked better throwing the ball in this game and kind of like the quarterback. We thought that uh, Chicago was drafting with, what was it? The 11th pick 13th pick, something like that in the early teens, essentially. And they were much more fluid. They gained a ton of yards in that game comparatively to the Steelers. They were really hurt by penalties, turnovers, and field position in that game. And frankly, it's a game they should have probably won. I think that was the biggest impression I took away. But I've also seen a lot of other offenses do well against the Steelers if you can hold up against their pass rush. So I guess my question would be, is it a matter of playing the Steelers? Because Denver's best offensive game, I think, if I remember right from a fantasy standpoint, was against them. Or maybe it was like week two against the Jets, something like that. But there have been several teams that have thrown the ball well against the Steelers, or is this actually a true sign of progress for the Bears' offense, which has been so futile for a long time? I mean, we've said on this program that it would be easier taking the under on 200 passing yards a game. I think this is the first game that they've thrown for over 200 yards all season. 
Yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, but for me, I really do think that the Bears are improving on offense. I think as the season goes on, Justin Fields is getting more comfortable. They're opening the offense up a little bit more because he's able to handle a little bit more. You can see they got Allen Robinson involved in the game a lot more, which I think just not even because he's on my team. I just think it's better for them in the long run. He's so good that you got to get him the football. It really does surprise me that Mooney kind of looks like the number one wide receiver in Chicago. Like it's really weird to me because watching it, I feel like Allen Robinson is a much better player, but you know, it's, it is what it is, but I, I feel like the bears are getting better on offense. Well, so much of what quarterbacks trust is exactly that it, it's a trust factor with the quarterbacks. I mean, there's a reason Aaron Rodgers throws the ball to Devonte 15 times a game and maybe the rest of the players on the team five. It's because he knows when he throws the ball, Devontae's going to be where Devontae's going to be when he needs to be there. And he's probably going to catch the ball. I mean, you can take an occasional shot to some other guys, but for the most part, that's been the case. And part of the story that they were talking about on the broadcast on Monday night was the fact that Mooney was the guy that volunteered to basically stay behind and work with Justin Fields early on in the season. So they have a connection that's probably not there for Allen Robinson, who I'm sure was working with uh, Andy Dalton in the first team reps to start most of the year. Maybe that'll develop over time, but it does give you question as to what uh, Allen Robinson's future is with the bears. Cause I think he's only for this season. He was franchise tagged if I remember right. And he would be available on the open market this off season. I don't think the bears are necessarily going to want to pay him top dollar again for the production that they've received this season. But I also agree with you on the other standpoint. There was a question coming into Monday night. We got some rumors over the weekend that David Montgomery might be back for this game. And we thought with how well Khalil Herbert has played that he might split some of the carries. And that really was not the case with David Montgomery taking, I think, 85% of the touches at the running back position and uh, 15 overall. You would think that maybe there might be a little bit of hesitation to put him back in right away. And there really wasn't. So you would expect, I think, moving forward now, if they're going to give him that kind of level of workload or at least that percentage of the running back touches, that he'll be the bell cow moving forward for the rest of the season. And given his efficiency in production before he got hurt, you would expect him to return to probably at worst RB2 status. Yeah, at worst. You know, he is a very, very good prospect. I've said it a million times on the show. He's my number one running back coming out that year. It's just... I guess as, as painful as it is for me, a Packer fan to say this, it is very good to see him kind of figuring it out and being consistent because um, he is a very hard runner and a very hard worker too, as well. So you like to see those kind of bruiser bags get rewarded every now and again. Don't worry. They're still the bears and they're still going to find a way to screw it up. Really. That's one of the few things that Packer fans have been able to count on for 30 years is that the Vikings the Bears and the Lions will figure out a way of screwing it up. Let's move into tonight, uh, or excuse me, this weekend. Looking forward then to week 10, what are the things you're most looking forward to in week 10? I guess I'm looking forward to the underdogs not having so much success. I feel like it was just such a down week this last week in fantasy. I feel like there wasn't a lot of high-scoring matchups in our league. I feel like just a lot of the people that you depend on really didn't show up last week. So I'm, I'm looking for more fireworks this week. 
I think about two thirds of the league had possibly their worst game of the season. I think it might be the, the second or third game all season that I've scored under a hundred points. I know that at least a couple of guys were in like the seventies or the eighties in total points. And most of the guys in our league usually average out 120, 130 points a game. So there were a couple of those, but it really was not the norm. And it's been that way kind of for the last two weeks that there've been a lot of upsets. There've been a lot of odd plays. There have been just a lot of unusual players getting big fantasy games where you wouldn't expect it. I mean, we had Mike White and what was it? Josh Johnson last weekend uh, <laughs> on the Thursday night game. I mean, did so- you see, did you see Mike White? He, he was asked if he should have been drafted or something. And he said, yeah, I believe I should have been the number one pick overall. I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah. So hopefully you always go to success. that unchecked confidence. <laughs> I love it. Uh, that could be toxic confidence too, personally, but you know, I guess at least somebody's got to be confident in the Jets locker room. Yeah. Yeah. You got to feel good. All right. So let's get to a bit of news. Let's just start off. This was a question I didn't have on the original set of notes. This happened after I created them this afternoon, but Odell Beckham Jr. signs for the Rams this afternoon. Obviously he is going to be at worst, the third best target in this offense. I would say it downgrades Tyler Higby, probably any running back tosses or checkdowns that you're likely to see. And does it have a huge factor in maybe taking away from the number one overall wide receiver right now, Cooper Cup, or for that matter, Robert Woods, who has been, I think, a top five receiver over the last four weeks? If I'm Robert Woods, I'm upset. If I'm Cooper Cup, I, nothing changed about my day. He's going to get his targets. He's still going to get a lot of them. He's Matt Stafford's favorite guy. Cooper Cup is still the number one wide receiver in fantasy. Does this cement Matt Stafford as a top five quarterback for the rest of the year? It should, but we we know how good Matt Stafford is. He just played on a really shitty team for so long. So, yeah, absolutely. They're going to throw the ball a lot. I would feel very confident as Matt Stafford being a top five quarterback the rest of the season. Okay. And where do you think Odell Beckham Jr. now fits in an offense that we know will be more geared towards getting him the football, at least in a few different ways? Yeah. I mean, I feel like he's going to get a lot more looks than he got in Cleveland, but I don't imagine him like taking over and being the number one wide receiver for the rest of the league. I think he's going to have some good weeks. I also think he's going to have some okay weeks, but I think you can expect him to be a wide receiver too at the very worst. You know, he could be a low end or a middle of the road wide receiver too. So you'd put him in a, a pretty much a guaranteed starter category. I think you could feel pretty confident about that because I think he takes over Robert Woods's kind of role. I really do think this is going to bring Robert Woods down a little bit. I do think they're going to try to get Odell the ball once he off, or he figures out that offense as well as he should it too. I think the person that benefits, or excuse me, that it detracts from the most is probably Van Jefferson, who'd seen at least six targets in the last three weeks, particularly after the cutting of Deshaun Jackson, who's now in Las Vegas. But the Rams offense has always had a position for that over-the-top big-shot player. And Odell is clearly explosive enough to get down the field and make big plays vertically 
I think he kind of takes over that role more than he would necessarily away from Robert Woods. That being said, I can also see him on a lot of these jet sweeps that they designed for Cooper Cup or Robert Woods and getting the ball in his hands in a lot of ways because he can still be an explosive player and you're not having to pay him a ton of money, so you might as well use him while you have it. I really think that Sean McVay, often when the Rams pick up players, it's been on defense as opposed to offense. This is one of the rare exceptions where they're picking up a veteran guy who can be explosive on offense and really cater to what Sean McVay does best. And that's offensive game plan. So I really look for him to potentially be explosive, but maybe not necessarily detract from Cooper cup or Robert Woods all that much. Just personally. There's only one football. I know that's where I'm at. There's only one football, but the Rams also have not been consistent running the football. I mean, we've had flashes where Darrell Henderson has been okay, but he's not like a dominant runner either. So I really do think that they're going to end up throwing the ball a lot and that they can fling it all over the yard because who are you going to pick your poison against? I mean, Robert Woods has not been a terrible wide receiver. It's just been Cooper cup has been so dominant lately that Robert Woods looks lost by comparison. Other bits of news this week, the big one being Nick Chubb and Demetric Felton are both on the COVID list for the Browns. So unless uh, for whatever reason, Peyton Hillis comes out of retirement With Kareem Hunt still out, what are the prospects for Dearness Johnson is pretty much the only back left in Cleveland right now. Yeah, you got to love it. Um, He's somebody that you insert into your lineup if you still happen to have him on your team. He should be starting this week. He is. He definitely is. Oh, I was talking to everyone, not necessarily you. (laughs) Oh, okay. I kept him because I basically am using him as the backup to Hunt, even though last weekend he just didn't do anything you keep him for this well for this exact scenario russell wilson and chris carson may be back this week against green bay wilson is for sure how does that change your opinion of the seahawks offense moving forward from a fantasy perspective that's a that's a pretty good question right there it'll be interesting to see kind of where they go because this is a football team that likes to run the football especially when they have chris carson back there but I don't think it downgrades anybody on the offense either like DK or Tyler Lockett, because you're also getting Russell Wilson back. I think you just go back to square one with what you expect from the Seahawks offense, which is they're going to run the ball a decent amount, but Russell Wilson is also a very good quarterback. So he'll get the ball to Tyler Lockett. He'll have his big weeks. He'll get the ball to DK. He'll have his big weeks. So you got to feel pretty good with him coming back. I would be very surprised given the nature of what happened to Chris Carson and that this is a degenerative situation with his neck right now, whether he's going to take all of the primary running back touches. I think they're going to split him with Alex Collins, Travis Homer. I mean, basically it'll be a giant running back by committee. He may get the majority of the touches, but it'll be 10 or 12, not 15 or 18, 20 like he used to do at, at different times, even as far or as uh, recently as last season. So I would expect that they're going to either work him in just to see how his neck does, because he's had very limited contact for weeks now and see how that neck holds up before he would get any major usage. I'd be a little afraid of possibly starting him even this weekend until I've seen it. Russell Wilson coming back, though, his finger injury was so fluky that I would guess that he comes back and he's Russell Wilson again. I would have almost no problem starting him in a game that I actually think that they're going to end up throwing the ball all around the yard. 
And that also elevates both DK and Tyler Lockett, in my opinion. Even though they both have had okay weeks in the uh, Geno Smith weeks that they've had to serve, obviously they elevate just based on the fact that they have a better quarterback throwing them the ball more consistently. And those offenses will be able to have more shots, more plays, more volume to get actual points on the field. I do like the prospects of both receivers going forward, returning to a normal status that you would have probably drafted them around. Chase Edmonds is now on the IR, or at least I think he's supposed to be going on the IR with a high ankle sprain. And we already saw James Conner going to basically RB1 status last weekend with 40 overall points, the number one overall running back. Does he continue to see the amount of touches he got last weekend? Or is this a situation where they work Eno Benjamin in to basically take over the Chase Edmonds role until he returns? I think they're going to feed James Conner. We all know how good James Conner is when he gets volume at that position. But I also think Eno Benjamin, first and foremost, I'm pretty pissed off at you because you snuck him away from him. You remember he was on my team at the beginning of the year, right? I don't. God, you son of a bitch. Yeah, he was. I had to drop him because, you know, to make room for other things. But, yeah, screw you. Anyway, yes, I do think, you know, Benjamin is going to be a thing. He is a very good running back, very talented. You saw him run over – what's his fate? Wow, who was – he ran over somebody last week for his touchdown run, which is super impressive. But, yeah, I, I think he it, worked so I don't in. know. Oh, yeah, he trucked somebody. Um, so, yeah, I do think he'll get some work. But I think James Conner is going to get more work than we think. Well, James Conner really had not been the passing down guy, and that's what made Chase Edmonds effective was while Conner got a lot of the goal line carries and he leads the league in uh, overall touchdowns so far this season, it was that Chase Edmonds still got enough work between the 20s in passing down work that really aided his fantasy value enough to keep them both roughly on par that at worst, or excuse me, at best they were probably running back twos at worst, they were at least good, solid flex plays that you should probably have in your lineup. Well, now, Connor, if he takes over that role, you're basically combining that into one running back. But I just don't see the Cardinals long term wanting to do that. We know what James Connor's injury history is, and we also know how they wanted to split up the carries going into last week. I think by the fact that Chase Edmonds had one carry and then he was out of the game, that ended up causing them to go to James Conner a lot more than they normally would. I would expect with a full week of practice that some of those numbers come down. I still expect Conner to take at least a portion of the role of what Chase was doing, but I don't expect him to take all of it and be like a solid locked in RB one. I expect him more in the RB solid RB two area, at least as long as Chase Edmonds is out. Aaron Rodgers still has a small possibility of missing this weekend's game. If Jordan Love starts against the Seahawks, how confident would you be in starting your Packers players after what we saw last weekend? Yeah, I mean, I'm still starting Devontae Adams, no problem. I'm still starting Aaron Jones, maybe even A.J. Dillon in there as well because he looked really good. So, yeah, Jordan Love, um, for me, being in there isn't, doesn't really do much for my opinion. I think Aaron Jones can be explosive, but realistically, being a Packers fan that's watched every single second of their season, I think A.J. Dillon might be the better back. I I think he's been more effective. I think he's getting more yards per carry. I think he's just as effective in the passing game at times, although I would say that 
Uh, Jones has more of the breakaway speed that you won't probably want for some of those home run plays. But realistically, I think A.J. Dillon has actually been the better back so far this season from what I've seen. That's no discredit to Aaron Jones. I just think that's been the case. So if I'm starting anybody, it's probably Devontae and Aaron Jones. I would probably agree with you that A.J. Dillon would probably be more utilized given the situation. You would hope that the Packers would be more willing to run the football than they did last weekend when early on in the game they were ripping off five, six-yard runs, and then they kind of went away from it and went into those empty sets, especially against heavy blitz packages, which didn't make a lot of sense. But even Coach Matt LaFleur did say that that was on him for play calling and what they did overall as far as uh, scheme. So I don't know. I I guess I would start them because you kind of have to, but it's not with a ton of confidence because even when Adams had, I think he had 14 targets in that game. He only caught six passes and for 42 yards, you'd like, you liked some of the volume that he was seeing, but you don't like necessarily the yardage being minimal minimalized or the fact that there were eight targets that went errantly. Christian McCaffrey returned last weekend to 18 touches and Matt rule has now said that they would like to keep him around that number going forward. Does this concern you regarding its long-term fantasy value? Yes and no. Yes. You're not going to get the crazy amount of work that you used to get out of him, which would made him super appealing, like almost a cheat code, but no, because he's still going to be productive. He is one of those players that he gets the ball and things just happen. I think we've kind of seen the last of the CMC where he's getting the ball 40 times a game, but I don't think we've seen the last of a guy that can be an RB one and carry your, your football team to a championship. I think his efficiency is high enough to keep him as a top 10 back. It does concern me because he was seeing, I think like 90 to 95% of the uh, running back touches in his peak season. To me, this says peak Christian McCaffrey is gone. I, I just don't think that the return value, value you're ever going to get for him is nearly going to be as high as it was to begin last season, which we said at the time. We thought that that was, if you're going to get peak value for him, that was going to be it. That's not to say that he won't be an effective back, but long term, if you're in a dynasty league, I'd be looking to possibly offload him because you're not going to, it's just going to continue to be diminishing returns. Yeah, but at some point too, if you're on a if you if he's somebody that's been a big part of your team and you're winning because oh, of absolutely. that, despite I, I, you know you keep him around. Yeah, okay, got it. Right, I, I yeah, I'm not saying offload him for the standpoint that if you're going it's for just, a championship, if you're number one in your league, if you've been able to survive his absence, I mean, I have him in my redraft league, and I'm definitely going to keep him because. There's no point in trying to trade him in a redraft right now. But if you're in a long-term dynasty, and let's say at the end of the season, even if you've done well, if you can maximize your value in a trade that sees him go to somebody else and you get uh, two first-round picks back, you get maybe a, a good prospect player, I, I think it's worth it. If for whatever reason somebody was willing to offer you, and I think this would be actually – um, decent compared to what Christian McCaffrey has been. If somebody just likes the upside of having that stud, if somebody offered you something like Jonathan Taylor and a first round pick or a second round pick, obviously I'm jumping on that. 
I don't think that anybody that's dynasty inclined would necessarily offer that. But I think that if you get catch somebody with a redraft mindset, they might. All right. The last piece of news for the week that I had, Antonio Brown has yet to practice this week. He is still seen around the facility in a walking boot. Uh, Rob Gronkowski is still nursing his rib injury. And it sounds like Tampa Bay is pessimistic on having Chris Godwin for this weekend. Other than Mike Evans, who do you think is the next man up for this Bucks passing game against the Washington football team this weekend? Man, I don't even know. I don't even know their roster well enough to tell you either. Yeah, because Scotty Miller's on uh, IR, I think. So, I mean, I think if you have Mike Evans, you're feeling great (laughs) about this upcoming week because he's going to get the ball and get the ball a lot. Yeah, maybe even Leonard Fournette, I think, would be – getting advantageous touches, uh, maybe a Gio Bernard. But I would guess that the two likely guys that the, you, you have left on the roster would be Tyler Johnson, who flashed at times last season. And uh, I think it's Jalen Darden, who is their kick returner and was one of the hot prospects coming into this season. The kid drafted out of North Texas that uh, is kind of a speedster, was thought to be uh, slot replacement for what Scotty Miller was doing. I think both of those guys could see some touches this weekend as well. But yeah, I agree with you. Mike Evans is a definite plus this weekend, even though he'll probably be drawing the most double coverage he's seen all season. All right, game of the week. For me, uh, I looked at the slate and there were only a couple of games that I thought would be really interesting. Uh, but I picked the one I thought would be the most high scoring that might have the most fantasy points. And that's the Vikings and the Chargers. Chargers at home. Uh, favored by three points. What was your game of the week? My game of the week is the Saints at the Titans. Titans are favored uh, by three. I think that'll be a fun one. Try to see if the Titans are like for real, for real. Because I mean, what they did last week was super incredible. But then also trying to see too, like what are the Saints now as well with Trevor Simeon at the quarterback. So it'll it'll just be a game where a litmus test, I guess. Do you really expect Simeon to be the starter again this week. I'm not sure that's I necessarily going to happen. I think he looked really pretty good, honestly, in there. And I don't think that they get out of the offense exactly what they want to with Taysom Hill. I, I don't know. It's hard for me to say. I still think that they were a little bit more effective last week with Taysom Hill there. So it, it's tough for me to necessarily conclude that he's going to be the long-term quarterback even as far as this weekend. But with that being said, this is my upset of the weekend. I think the Titans are riding high, but realistically, I think this is going to be a defensive game. The Titans defensive line last week, we said was dominant against the Rams. And that really caused uh, the game to flip on its head. Basically with two pick sixes, essentially was what happened in that game. And the Rams never could really recover from that. The Saints' defense is a high pressure, great run defense that can cover on the back end. I think the two biggest injuries though, in this one, which may cause me to question my own upset pick on this one is Alvin Kamara is apparently dealing with like a sprained knee ligament. And we don't know what his effectiveness is going to be for this game. The other one being Marshawn Lattimore. I saw leave uh, the game last weekend and I don't know what his status is currently. If two of the best players for the saints are out in this game and at key positions like that, I don't know what they're going to have to be able to overcome the Titans skill positions because they still have some of the better players on the field. What was your upset of the week? You know, before I was feeling pretty, pretty,
pretty, um, I don't know, decent about the Lions in Pittsburgh. Uh, but then I was going through and doing my underrated studs of the week, and I noticed I had quite a few Raiders on there. So I'm actually going to change mine from the Lions to this uh, beating the Steelers to the Raiders beating the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are favored two and a half. I don't know. There's just nothing about this Chiefs team that almost lost to a Jordan Love-led Packer team. You know, there's nothing about them so far this year that makes me go, man, I'm pretty scared of that team. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I think for most people, they would probably pick the Raiders, even though they're favored by, or excuse me, the Chiefs are favored by Vegas. But realistically, they're not really favored by Vegas because Vegas usually gives a three-point home spread. So the fact that they're a less than three-point home favorite has to say that they think the Raiders would beat them on an even field. And this would be an even larger spread at home for the Raiders in Las Vegas. This is an interesting matchup. It usually is every year. The Raiders were one of the few teams last year that beat the Chiefs in regulation, or excuse me, in the regular season. The only other one was the Chargers at the end of the season when the Chiefs were resting. So we didn't see them get beat a whole lot last year. And this was one of the teams to do it. The Raiders have been kind of up and down. I mean, they had an absolute shit game last weekend against the Giants, but the Giants have been playing better occasionally and they just played Kansas City too. So it's tough to say. I actually don't mind the Lions pick either against the Steelers just because the Steelers are coming off of a short week. The Lions are coming off of their bye. You know the Lions show up once every two weeks. So why not this week, even though it's on the road and you only have to cover the spread, which is eight points. Big Ben covering more than an eight-point spread, even at home right now, just doesn't seem plausible. Start set for the week. Uh, These are for standard 10-team half PPR. First one up I have, Jacoby Myers versus Cleveland. Start or sit? Didn't we have him on here last week? Yes, he's on here almost every week. Uh, How did he do last week? I don't don't even remember. (laughs) I'm, I'm gonna go this is the thing with him every week. He's kind of that, that guy reason, that can I'm hang around sick. and be flex relevant potentially, especially in a PPR format. But I just don't feel confident in him being a regular starter. And that's why he makes this list. I think for most people, and especially in a PPR format, he might be somebody that's on the flex radar. But for me, I just, he's not a guy I would ever think to throw out there. Yeah. I mean, for me, he's a set too. All right. Easy enough. Cole Beasley versus the New York Jets. Starter set. He's dealing with an injury, I think, right? With a rib injury. He might be. I'm pretty positive he is. Um, So he's banged up. I'm going to go sit. I really feel like there's a huge Stefan Diggs game waiting to come out. And so I think that's against the Jets. So I'm going to go Stefan Diggs and not Cole Beasley. Sit Cole Beasley. All right, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit in this one because it's the same game and uh, the same wide receiver core. Manuel Sanders versus the Jets, start or sit? Yeah, because Cole Beasley's hurt, I'm going to go start with Emmanuel Sanders. Obviously, the Buffalo Bills have not been the same team the last two weeks that we saw earlier in the season or even as much as last year. So their passing game hasn't been nearly as effective. And... The Jets' defense hasn't been as poor. I know they gave up 40 points last week, but that was mostly because uh, the Colts just ran it down their throat the whole game. So unless Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders convert to 
uh, running back this weekend. I just don't know if I would necessarily feel the greatest with them. That being said, if one of them is out for any particular reason, and if you said that Cole Beasley's nursing that injury, I'd probably be okay with Emmanuel Sanders as a flex play, but that's about as much as high as I'm willing to go at the moment. Kenyon Drake versus Kansas city. It's another good one. Uh, I'm going to go start because the Kansas city defense is just not that great. They're better against the run. Yes. But I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. So I'm going to go start. I don't think there's going to be a ton of points scored in this one. I think the first one to 21 will probably win the game just personally based on what I've seen the last few weeks. And right now, I think Josh Jacobs is in line to play. So for me, this is probably a sit because you can't guarantee that Kenyon Drake is going to get the same usage as he would if Josh Jacobs were out. I can kind of see them using him out of the backfield, just the way he's played out uh, while Josh Jacobs has been out. Like, and I know Josh Jacobs is back as well. I have him as one of my studs, but... I don't know. I just, for some reason, I feel like I can see him catching a couple balls out of the backfield for some pretty decent yards, maybe even catching a touchdown. So I still feel pretty confident about my start, but I respect your opinion. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Devontae Smith versus the Denver Broncos. Start or sit? I'm going to go start with Devontae Smith as well. I think he's kind of figuring out this whole NFL thing. He had a really big week last week, not a lot of targets though. And still, you know, he still only had five targets. I think four catches for a hundred some yards and a touchdown. I would love to see more targets for him, especially with how much of a target hawk he was in college. But I don't know if that, if that offense will, will be that for him with Jalen Smith or Jalen Hurts his quarterback. So as of right now, I like the start, though. After what Denver did to Dallas last weekend, I think you'd be inclined to sit him. I know that Patrick Sertan, their rookie cornerback, who's been pretty good so far this year, is going to be out for this game, or at least is nursing an injury and may not be available for this game. So that might upgrade it slightly. But I just don't see with the amount of pressure that Denver is going to bring and the fact that a uh, Vic Fangio defense is usually very difficult for I wouldn't say beginning quarterbacks, but not necessarily seasoned quarterbacks. Even Aaron Rodgers has struggled against them at times, and he's about as seasoned as you're going to get. So for Jalen Hurts to come in and then be able to throw the ball all around the yard, I just don't see that happening for the Eagles, especially in the last two weeks where they've been much more successful running the ball and running the ball a lot. I would expect that a lot of what their success is going to be based around this week is going to be on the ground, especially with how we saw Cleveland beat this defense a couple of weeks ago. It kind of confuses me why Dallas didn't try and utilize that more last weekend. So for me, I'd probably go sit on this one. Van Jefferson versus the San Francisco 49ers. Start or sit? If it is his week, this is probably going to be the last week he has for the season. Um, So... I think it's a start so far because I think he himself knows that he has something to prove a little bit with Odell coming to town. So the start, you said it yourself. He's had over five receptions the last couple or five targets over the last couple of games. So I think he's a start this week. Over six targets the last three weeks. I think he's a bona fide flex play this weekend, but you did say it. This is probably the last weekend to really get a great usage rate out of him, at least for this season. I think long-term, you really try and buy stock in what this month of the season has done for his dynasty value going forward. Cause I can't imagine Odell Beckham jr. Resigning with the Rams after this season, Michael Carter versus the Buffalo bills start or sit. 
Yeah, he had a really big week. And then since he's kind of not been terrible, but not as breakout as we thought he was going to be from week in and week out. I still think he's somebody that they're trying to get the football to. But against the Buffalo Bill team, I think that comes back and plays really well against this Jets team. I think he's kind of going to get scripted out of the game. You know, he'll, he might have a bunch of dump offs out of the backfield, though, too. So, uh, but I guess I just talked myself into starting him. So, yeah, start because I think he'll get a lot of work out of the backfield, short passes. You came around to where I was at, which is essentially they're going to be from behind and you would expect some dump off passes. I think it is dependent on which one of the two quarterbacks ends up playing because we know Zach Wilson is not going to be the quarterback. If they think Mike White is going to be the starter, I would really like what Michael Carter could potentially deliver in this game because Mike White's much more willing to dump the ball to him short than what Josh Johnson was doing last week, where he was actually getting more of the boundaries involved in that game, which is why I thought Eli or Eli, Elijah Moore, whatever, uh, ended up having a bigger game in that game against the Colts on Thursday night. So I didn't think he had a terrible game last week, but obviously compared to two weeks ago when he was the number one running back, you you can't have followed that up and expected to be the number one running back two weekends in a row, especially with how the Jets' offense is structured. So for me, I actually like the way that he could be productive, especially with what we saw from Carlos Hyde last weekend that he's a much better player right now than Carlos Hyde was for the Jaguars last weekend. I expect him to be a locked in starter. I wouldn't say that he's going to be in the top 10 of running backs, but can he be a productive flex play? Absolutely. Could he even get to running back two status? Sure. Especially if you're in a PPR format, I think this is a game the jets are going to have to throw and throw a lot. And if Mike White's going to be in the game, I really like what Michael Carter could bring this weekend. All right. Jerry Judy versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Start or sit? Um, sit. I got to see something from him first. It's just, I know he's been dealing with the injury and everything, but I just got to see it first before I throw him in there. I think this actually might be a good one. We saw last weekend that Keenan Allen got a lot of receptions in the middle of the field and that they threw a lot to their tight ends. I actually think since the Philadelphia Eagles are really good at defending the boundaries that you have to beat this defense in the middle and running the football. Realistically to me, this is a perfect game for a slot receiver who's a really great route runner and can kind of copy the Keenan Allen model from last weekend to really thrive. I think this is his coming out game. I actually say start. Ryan Tannehill versus the New Orleans Saints. Start or sit? Um, I'm going to go with sit. I still think the Titans are, you know, their identity is to run the football, run the football, run the football. They were very successful at it this last week. Sure, he might throw a touchdown or so, but he has no running ability at all upside for his game either. So I'm just going to go sit against the Saints. I think they're going to have a really tough time running the football in this game. The Saints' defense, especially against the run, I mean, it's not quite Tampa Bay level, but it's about as good as you can get outside of that. Really, I don't expect that. Uh, Tennessee is going to be able to run the football basically at all in this game and is going to have to rely on the pass. And last weekend, when a lot of that got taken away against the Rams, they weren't really able to sustain long drives. They weren't able to move the football. So unless they're going to get a bunch of turnovers like they did last weekend that kind of flipped the game, I don't even expect them to be in the red zone a lot. That's why I think this might be one of the lowest scoring games of the weekend. And I agree with you. I think he's a full set. Darrell Williams versus the Las Vegas Raiders. 
Start or sit? Um, I'm going to go with sit. I just, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I think, is getting healthier, so I imagine he'll probably get some work in this game as well. Is he back? I guess I don't He's know. He's probably going to be out for another two I just weeks, know. Yeah. Oh, really? I read something today that he looked pretty good in practice, but I, I didn't I, think he anyway, was practicing, but okay. I just, I just don't think that um, the Chiefs' offense is – they're, they're not trying to run the ball. They're not very good at running the ball. I think Vegas has a very good defense as well as trying to stop the one, especially against a pedestrian running game like the Chiefs. So I'm going to go with Sid. For me, this is a start. I think he's still going to get the goal line work. I don't expect CEH to play in this one. He had, I think, 85% of the running back touches last week against Green Bay and was one of the parts of their offense that was actually working against, surprisingly, a tough defense for the Green Bay Packers. So the Raiders aren't necessarily great against the run. They've been decent against the pass, but we saw that the Giants kind of beat them up on the ground last weekend with Devontae Booker, of all people. So I would expect that Darrell Williams, who's seen some good action, and if he gets enough volume, has been a capable player. If he falls into the end zone, you've made your week. I think he could be as high as an RB2 for me this weekend. Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Start or sit? I got Melvin Gordon. I like the matchup. He is still doing well enough for Javante hasn't taken full command over that, over that backfield. He's someone that's still been involved in the passing game as well, too. So I'm, I have Melvin Gordon this week. If I were to start one of them, I think it's probably Melvin Gordon, just because he's been the more efficient at getting into the end zone. And he's been the more involved player in the passing game so far. Not that Javante can't be involved, but he just has not been a scoring running back so far. And if you're starting him, you're hoping you get what you got last weekend, which was 117 yards on the ground. But to count on that again, I just don't know if that's necessarily possible against a tougher Philadelphia defense. If you're going to start one player, I go with Melvin Gordon, but I'm not comfortable necessarily with either of these players this weekend. Damian Harris versus Cleveland, start or sit? Um, I do think that this is going to be a start. The Patriots know what their identity is. That's running the football. They do it very, very well. Uh, so for me, that's a start. I know that he left the game along with Ramondre Stevenson with head injuries, so concussions, and they've been in the protocol all week. But I think it sounds like he's going to play. That being said, I expect this game to also be somewhat low scoring. The, uh, the Patriots defense has been really good the last few weeks and kind of suffocating. And the uh, Browns are going to be limited by comparison to what they had even a few weeks ago. They're not going to have Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb likely for this game. And yes, they have a good offensive line, but equally then the Browns are going to have to match them defensively and they're going to try and take away the running game first and foremost, and then pressure Mac Jones. So if that's going to be the case, you're really going to need to throw the football in order to beat the Browns. I would expect then that unless Damian Harris falls into the end zone, that he's not necessarily as good a play as he has been at other points this season. If you have better options, sure, I would go with that. But you're probably starting Damian Harris only by the standpoint that he's been effective for you for most of the season, not necessarily that this is the best week for him matchup-wise. All right, let's go to underrated studs of the week. Go, these are guys going outside the top 10 that we think could finish inside the top 10 this weekend. First up is my quarterback of the week, Carson Wentz versus the Jaguars. I think he has the possibility. I think he's quarterback three over the last four weeks in fantasy. 
this is a bad defense that we can't necessarily understand how they got to Josh Allen last week as much as they did, especially with Geno Smith lighting them up two weeks ago on the road. I would guess that in a division game that the Colts really need to win and that they've been really effective in lately, uh, I would say Carson Wentz is going to have another good game going forward. Who is your underrated quarterback of the week? Uh, Derek Carr against the Kansas City defense. I feel like that should all be enough for it. That's just been a terrible defense. And like I said, I I feel like it's going to be a a more high-scoring game than you think. All right. For me, my underrated running back of the week is Darrell Henderson versus San Francisco. We saw what James Conner did last weekend, and I actually think Darrell Henderson is a more talented runner who is probably still healthy. So if that's going to be the case, I would expect the Rams are actually going to run the ball a lot in this game, as opposed to they're throwing it all over the yard, especially after what happened last week where they got kind of obliterated by the Tennessee off or defensive line. They certainly don't want to do that against a San Francisco line that is equally capable of wrecking their game. I would guess that they run it early and often in this one. Give me Darrell Henderson versus the Niners on Monday night football. Who is your underrated running back of the week? Uh, Josh Jacobs, actually. And this is exactly the point where I was like, mm, maybe I th- think in the Raiders. Um, same reasons. It's just the, the Kansas City defense just hasn't been too oppress- impressive. I know Josh Jacobs coming off of the injury. I, I know the Kansas City defense is much better against the run than they are against the pass, but I just feel like he falls in the end zone. Um, and like you said, that makes you weak. So I'm going to go Josh Jacobs. For me, my underrated wide receiver of the week, and this is more of a hunch than anything to do with the matchup or anything else. I like the fact that his quarterback is coming back this week and that they're going against a defense that's lost several of its top cornerbacks and is kind of playing journeyman so far this season, even though they've been pretty good recently. Give me DK Metcalf versus Green Bay. I don't think that they're going to allow one of those big shot plays down the field that DK is so great at having. But I do think that he could have a lot of catches in this game for some decent yardage, some uh, key first downs in this game. Give me him against the Green Bay Packers. Who is your underrated wide receiver of the week? If healthy, I'm going Chris Godwin against the Washington football team. The matchup is amazing. They're not very good against the pass whatsoever, but it's all about health. So maybe, maybe this doesn't pan out very well for me, but I'm going Chris Godwin. I think that's you being uh, wishful thinking. Eh, not too much. Yeah, I typically don't pick my own people. All right, tight end of the week, our favorite part of the episode. Dawson Knox for me against the Jets. I just like him to return to form. I know he hasn't been back the last few weeks, in a, and I keep going back to the well, predicting when he's going to come back and be effective. But I think once he does come back, this offense does actually light up a little bit and has uh, some better weeks. I think some of the best weeks of the season were when he was in the lineup and being productive. So if he returns, for me, I think he could dominate the middle of the field in this game, and I expect that he would have at least one touchdown. I think he's vastly underrated this weekend. Give me Dawson Knox. Who is your underrated tight end of the week? I'm going to go with Zach Ertz. He plays tight end, and he's on an offense. No, <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, wow. With, with Luke Hopkins um, being hurt uh, with uh, AJ Green still coming back from injury. I don't know. I feel like the targets are there. He didn't do great this last week with those guys being out as well, but maybe Kyler plays this week and that opens the door a little bit for him, but I'm going to go Zach Ertz, I guess. 
Yeah, that's a good point that we don't know whether AJ Green and New Hopkins are going to be back in this one. And you would expect that Kyler will likely be back, but who knows? I, I guess he's as good as any, and he's got clear talent in an offense that has been productive so far this year. Defensive stream of the week. These are teams let, or excuse me, defenses rostered in less than 50% of leagues that we have a good hunch on. Give me the Philadelphia Eagles against the Denver Broncos this weekend. I just, I don't like Teddy Bridgewater going against pressure and against good cornerbacks. And unless he's going to just dump the ball down to Jerry Judy and Melvin Gordon a lot in this game, maybe no offense. I don't like what the game plan is likely to end up being. And I think that the Philadelphia Eagles are playing with a lot of confidence lately. Uh, Give me them versus the Denver Broncos. Who is your defensive stream of the week? If you have one. Oh, come on. I picked one. I've had one since the beginning of the show. Not on the sheet. I picked the green Bay Packers against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I heard everything you said about DK, but I just feel Russell Wilson, he's back from a hand injury, which is kind of early. Uh, I don't know if it's 100%. I guess we're going to find out. But this Packer defense has been playing very, very well. And uh, I just think they continue that moving forward, coming off the loss. So I'm going to go with Green Bay. I tell you what, if I'm a defensive lineman, anybody who's rushing Russell Wilson this weekend, I am swiping at that ball and those hands every chance I get. Long shots of the week. These are guys going outside the top 20 at their position that we think could finish inside the top 10. First up for me, I'll take J.D. McKissick against the Buccaneers. Realistically put, you do not run on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've seen it so many times this year that teams just throw, 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 throw. And that's how you have to do it against this Tampa Bay team because they're so beat up in the secondary. I think that this is much more of a game where they're just going to throw it 50 times. And that to me says you need the better passing down back who could get a ton of catches in this game. Give me JD McKissick as a wildly underrated running back this weekend. Who is your first long shot? My first long shot is Melvin Gordon. Uh, I talked about him, I believe right earlier in the show. Uh, So for that reason, for those reasons as well, but I just feel like he'll get into the end zone. He still gets a decent amount of work in the running game and in the passing game. And as you said it, you know, he's getting a lot of the goal line work. So Melvin Gordon for me. I think he's gotten in the end zone three out of the last four weeks. So that's not necessarily a odd pick going forward. For me, I don't know why this guy is outside of the top 10, let alone outside of the top 20, but This feels like taking candy from a baby. I'm going to go Michael Pittman against the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a guy that's been the number four wide receiver over the last four weeks, and you're giving him to me as a potential long shot against a good matchup? Please, I am definitely going to take this all day and twice on this Sunday. Uh, Who is your second long shot of the week? Uh, I am going to go Mike Williams. Part of it, wishful thinking. The other part of it is uh, that he's going up against a Minnesota defense that isn't amazing against the passing game. But uh, for the love of God, please, Mike Williams, because I think I'm going to have to start him this week. Yeah, I would would absolutely agree with you on this one, that the matchup is there. If Mike Williams doesn't do it against the Minnesota Vikings, at this point, I think he's relegated to deep benches at that for you. Oh, shit. Well, I mean, Patrick Peterson, I don't think is playing. And you saw what Baltimore did against them last week coming back. And you have to expect that the Chargers at home are going to be able to throw the ball on this Minnesota defense if he just doesn't put it together. And now we have, what, five out of the last six weeks that he's been basically unusable. Why would you continue to put him in lineups? 
Bro, take it easy. He's on my team. No. I, I, I will not. You can't make me. All right. Over-unders for the week. Our final segment each week. Let's recap last week. It was not a particularly great week for either of us. Uh, I went two and three, or excuse me, three and two, and you went two and three. So first off, we had 21 and a half points scored for Green Bay. We both took the over on that one. They ended up with seven points. Not our finest hour. More fantasy that points from their thinking. Yeah, it was. More fantasy points. I did get the upset pick right on that one because they did <laughs> stay within the spread. I'll, I'll just mention that. But, yeah. More fantasy points from their running backs, Houston or Miami. We both took Miami in this one. They ended up having 15.3 total points from all of their running backs combined to 9.4 for Houston. Talk about pitiful. More rushing yards in their game, Delvin or Lamar Jackson. We both took Delvin thinking there's no way Lamar Jackson is beating uh, Delvin Cook on the ground in this one. And yeah, he did. 110 yards for Delvin, beaten out by Lamar's 120. I think he threw for uh, over 300 yards in this game and had over 120 yards rushing. I mean, that's just insane. That's Madden numbers right there. Absolutely. Uh, I had 15 and a half. Uh, running back carries for the Eagles against the Los Angeles Chargers. You took the under. I took the over. I reluctantly took the over thinking Nick Sirianni was going to do the stupid thing. And they had 29 carries in this game and actually kept it pretty close because that's how you have to play against the Chargers. So he actually did the right thing and they were in that game. I think they only lost by three. 199.5 199.5 passing yards for Ben Roethlisberger versus the Chicago Bears. You said you didn't think Ben Roethlisberger had thrown for 200 yards all season. He had in every single game up to that point. I said that he would take over, but I thought it would be very or just over in that game. And it ended up being 205 yards. So I got that one as well. So for the season, I am 22 and 22 and you are 20 and 20. 500, baby. <laughs> Doing well. You know, that, that's actually probably a pretty decent excuse for us to go to Vegas. We'd probably leave with the same amount. Like, that's not bad. It's not the worst. It's also no, not the it's best. No, it's not the worst. It's not the best, but it's not the worst. All right. So for this one, or excuse me, for this week 10, here are the five that I have for us. Our first one up, more receptions this weekend, DeAndre Swift or Najee Harris. They are the two top reception backs in the league this season. I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift because I just think he'll have to. He'll have to because I think they'll be battling from behind, even though I think that they will be within the spread. I just think he'll have to catch the ball more. I'm inclined to agree with you, but I think I'm going to go Najee just so that we're different on this one because I think it's on a knife's edge. I really could see either of these guys catching more passes because I – Expect them both to be involved, especially since I think Chase Claypool got hurt on Monday night and may miss this game. If you have to rely on Deontay Johnson and Pet Fryermuth to be your two leading pass catchers against even the Detroit Lions, eventually Najee's got to get involved. And yes, DeAndre Swift has basically been wide receiver number one for this team and been the Christian McCaffrey for the Lions so far this year. Maybe not to the same peak levels, but essentially in his usage rate, I would tend to agree with you, but I just... I, I'll be different for the sake of being different. Give me Najee. Over under three and a half field goals made by the Saints and Titans this weekend. So by both teams combined. Correct. Uh, so you had four field goals total by both teams. 
Nah, I'm taking the under. Uh, like I said, I think they're ah, damn. I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the over. I'll take the over. I'm definitely taking the over. The Titans, I think, are number one in field goals made this season. So I thought this might be a tricky one where you try and take the under on me. But no, I, I'm definitely taking the over. I think combined, these teams are going to end up with four field goals made, at least, if not more than that. I think this could very well be like a 12 to nine game. More receptions this weekend, Christian McCaffrey or DJ Moore versus the Arizona Cardinals. Now, again, Sam Darnold is supposed to be out for this one with a fractured shoulder, so we're getting P.J. Walker with backup Cam Newton. Yeah, I'm going CMC. Yeah, I think I'm going to go that way, too, because I can't imagine them getting the ball down the field very much. All right, more fantasy points in their game. Justin Jefferson or Mike Williams? Um, I'm going to take Mike Williams because I'm trying to manifest this. So Mike Williams. Justin Jefferson has not been in the top 40 of wide receivers in the last four weeks. He has been completely unused in the red zone. It's gone almost exclusively to Tyler Conklin and mostly to Adam Thielen. He had one big touchdown over the top last weekend, and I thought he was destined for a great game. They barely targeted him after that. I really have no idea what the Vikings are doing on offense right now, that they're not going to possibly at worst their second best player. I expect Mike Williams to have a much bigger game than Justin Jefferson in this one. More passing yards, Patrick Mahomes or Derek Carr in their matchup on Sunday night? I am going Derek Carr um, for all the reasons I've said earlier in the show. I think I'm going Derek Carr too, just because of how poor that Patrick Mahomes has done lately. I would expect that he uh, is going to have another really difficult fantasy day and they're going to have to run the football to set everything else up. And that's not what the Kansas City Chiefs like to do. They like to throw the ball all around the yard. This is just not what they're uh, set up to do is run the football and try and be in tight games, work the ball down the field. So it, I would say that at this point, Derek Carr is much more likely to be the larger passer in this game. All right, that wraps it up for the week. Any final thoughts before this weekend? No, no, I, I got nothing. I'm excited to get another week of football. In. All right. Thank you to all the listeners and dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again next week to recap week 10. But until then. Good luck, everyone. See you next week. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload 10 at gmail.com. You can also now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show on whichever podcast platform you use so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.